I want to talk to you today about getting back to normal. You know, it's easy to trust God in the good times when everything is going your way and your needs are met. But what about when things are not going your way? When you have more bills than you have means to pay them. When everything is not right in your relationship or in your job. When your prayers don't seem to get answered. When it feels like the whole world is coming against you. When your way of life is disturbed or restricted by a worldwide global pandemic. And I think I know what's going through the minds of every person who's seen this kind of change because of this virus. I think we're all thinking, I can't wait till things get back to normal. I can't wait till the shops are open again. I can't wait till the coffee shops are open and the restaurants are open again. I just want to get back to normal. But here's the thing. God didn't cause this, but I believe that God is going to use this. I truly believe that there's a lesson for us to learn in this season. And that lesson, if we learn it, will set us up for what I believe God really wants for us in this next season. A future may not be in the direction that you may have planned it to be in or thought it out to be in, but how many knows that God's ways are so much higher and so much better than our ways? I believe in all of this disruption, God is trying to steer us in a direction that if we embrace it, will cause us to see the greatest move of God in our lives, in our communities, in our churches than we've ever seen before. I believe that we have to learn to adjust to this new normal. Our routines have changed. Not a bit. Most of our routines have been dramatically, unceremoniously destroyed, altered, disturbed, thrown completely off course. And you know me, I'm a person of routine. I love routine. I hate it when my routine is disturbed. I love when I can get up in the morning, when I can go to work and, and, and take a lunch break and finish up work, come home, feel like I've, I've done something, accomplished something in that day. I, I, I really, truly love routine. I love when you can go to the supermarket and not worry about social distancing, not worry about having to... to, to and not go up this aisle because there's too many people in this aisle, not to have to wear gloves or wear a face mask, not to worry about who touched the cornflakes before you got to them. I miss not being able to take a drive on Sundays. Just on Sunday afternoon when the sun is shining to decide that, you know what, let's take a drive, let's go someplace. Where? I don't know, anywhere. Go someplace, get out, take a walk, take in the scenery. I, 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 I miss that. I miss... Not being able to go out for the thought of being stopped by the guards asking you, where are you going to? Where are you coming from? I miss not being able to meet here physically with you on Sundays. I miss preaching to a, a full church with every chair full. I miss the kids not being out there in their rooms getting taught the Word of God. I miss not being able to have tea and coffee and shake hands and hug you and, 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 and eat some of Rachel's cake. I miss all of that. I miss my normal. You know, at, at a normal time, I wouldn't say that I watch an hour of sports in a week. Now, don't get me wrong. I love sports. I really do. But I just don't watch that much of it on the television. But what I do love about sports is I love that it's always going on in the background of my life. And I miss that normality of, of sports results and sports news and 
and maybe sneaking an hour of sports in in a week. I miss that. I miss it not being there. You know, I miss not being able to go to McDonald's. I'm not a big fan of McDonald's. I go four times a year. I miss not being able to get a milkshake. I miss normality. You know, the most asked question on social media today is what's the first thing that you're going to do when you come out of lockdown? And I don't know how much of all this social media chatter that you're surrounded by or you're connected to, but when I read people's comments, the one comment that you will read more often over and over again is, I can't wait till things get back to normal. And you know what amazes me? Most of these people who a few months ago were given out about their normal, we're, we're looking for a change. I wish this would change in my life. I wish that would change. I don't like this. I don't like that. And these same people now today are saying, I wish my life would get back to normal. I wish I could get back to my old routine. It's like that old saying, you don't know what you have till it's gone. And, and, and in these days, that takes on a little bit more relevancy, I think. I miss normal. But you know what? I'm beginning to learn that in this anything but normal lockdown, and that is that God is no respecter of my routine or anybody else's routine either. And I believe that God is using this situation to create for us what's going to be a new normal. Like, I mean, it's not the first time that God showed up in anybody's lives and destroyed their normal life to try and bring him into something that was going to be much better. When you read through the Bible, you'll find that it's full of stories where God showed up in people's lives and changed their lives. Remember the time when God showed up to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1? He said to Abraham, he said, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I mean, how many of us would like God to say that to us today? How many of us live in our normal lives when they were normal with your family, with your friends all around you, with your job and your nice home and your nice car? And how many of us would like God to show up in our lives and say, hey, you, get out of this country. Get away from your family. Get away from everything that you call normal. But that's what God did to Abram. I can think of Joseph who was sold into slavery by his brothers, but he ended up running the country. I can think of the story of, of Daniel. Same thing happened to him, kind of. He was taken into captivity into Babylon, and, and after a period of time in Babylon, he ended up running the country. You know, these are not normal stories. These people didn't get to live out their normal lives. You know, it's not normal for lions not to eat you if you end up in a lion's den. That's not normal. But I'm starting to learn that our God is not a God of normal. He's a God of change. And He wants us to change from our normal into what He's creating for us a new normal. In one day, David went from being a shepherd boy to the king of Israel. That's not normal. But then God does not respect our normal. You know, the children of Israel... You know, they were quite happy living in Egypt, being the slaves to their Egyptian uh, overlords. It had actually become their normal. Then there was this day when Moses was out walking around, and as he walked around, he saw one of the Egyptians abusing one of his fellow Hebrew slaves, and he got angry. 
And when the, the, the Egyptian moved away from the, the Hebrew, Moses went and he tackled him and he killed him. And when he killed him, he, he hid his body in the sand. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 13 says, Then on the next day, Moses went out again and he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he said to the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said to him, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? And here was Moses, and for the first time probably in known history at that time, somebody was standing up for the Hebrews, for the, for the slaves. And when he did intervene in that dispute between the two Hebrew slaves, because they didn't recognize their deliverer, they turned on Moses. Isn't it so true that we get so stuck in our routines that when something better comes along, that we resist the change because we've gotten comfortable in the normal. Eventually, Pharaoh, he let him go. And would you believe it? This nation of slaves, when for the first time they had tasted their freedom and when they were on the road to the promised land and, and as God was leading them to this land that he had promised them, a land flowing with milk and honey, when the first belly ached and when the first mouth was dry, they started to complain. You wouldn't believe it. Exodus 14, 11 says, And they said to Moses, Was it because that there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have we done? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? These are the same people who were slaves in Egypt for 430 years and not one of them had ever known what it was like to live as a free man. And here they are, free for the first time in their lives after witnessing God dealing with their slave masters and protecting them in doing so. And here they are on a journey to their promised land. And they start to complain against Moses. And they start to grumble against God. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Even though they were slaves in Egypt, the children of Israel were so used to their normal that when God set them free and started the process to bring them home to the promised land, they complained and they reminisced over the food that they used to eat in their old lives in Egypt. And we read that and we think, you know what, that's crazy. Why would anyone who'd been set free from slavery and on a journey with God from to, to, that God had now taken them out of their bondage, why would they start to complain? We, 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 can't, we can't figure that. We can't understand that. Psalms 106 and verse 7 says, When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles and did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Why? Because sometimes... Even if our normal is abusive, oppressive, routine, or mundane, it's our normal, and I don't want it to change. See, the fear of change is a very real fear for some people. And I think a lot of us, in actual fact, I think every one of us has a certain amount of fear of change in our lives. 
Do you know that the fear of change is the 33rd most common fear or phobia that people have in their lives? And it's called metathesiophobia. You know, for 15 years, all I wanted to do was to be in full-time ministry in this church. During this time, I worked in the supermarket and I enjoyed my job. I, I love my job. I love working with the people I worked with. I, I love doing what I was doing. But every day, my fervent prayer was, Lord, let this be my last year to work this job. Let me serve you with all of my time, not just the time I have left over. And even though I prayed that prayer, for years, when the day finally came, after 26 years working in my job, when the day finally came for me to finish that job, I got to be honest with you, I had a little bit of fear. I had a, a lot of fear of the change of the normal from my last 26 years because fear of change is normal. But we, not, we don't need to continue in that normal. We need to see change in our lives. You know, every teen could say the same when they leave secondary school. I mean, they've spent the last 14 years in this normal, routine life. And then, just like that, it's all over. And I know every one of them, including me, was like, I can't wait till I leave school. But when you do, when the realization comes that that's it, this is finished, you start to wonder, oh, maybe it wasn't so bad after all. When our normals changed and when they're challenged, most of us long for a return to normal. I distinctly remember sitting in my parents' living room the night before I got married. And I can vividly remember, and I know where I was, sitting there. I can, I can remember still thinking that this is the last day of my normal life up to this point. And my life will never be the same from here on again. And I remember having those same thoughts in the days leading up to before our girls were born. Knowing that our life up to that point, our new normal that we had created as a couple together, Angela and I, was now going to be completely changed because we were bringing two other lives into our lives. And our normal, as we knew it, would never be normal again. But here's the question. Is change such a bad thing? And should we fight these new normals? Well, I have to say for me, anyway, every time that my life changed, every time that my normal changed, it's always been for the best. And I've never looked back. Even though sometimes it didn't feel comfortable, and sometimes even though it was a, a step into the unknown, I know God was with me all the way. He never left me or never forsake me. He ordered my steps, and He still does today. You see, losing your normal way of life isn't always a bad thing and shouldn't be seen as a bad thing. You see, unless your normal changes from time to time, you'll never grow and you'll never see advancement in your life. Like how many of you want to be sitting on your parents' couch in your mid-40s playing computer games for the rest of your life. In order for us to grow and advance, Normal has to change. You know, Jesus was no respecter of people's normals. I love that about Jesus. When he showed up on the scene, normal didn't make any difference to Jesus. 
he stepped away from the normal of everyday of people's everyday lives at the time. When Jesus showed up, he disrupted all of their lives. Why do you think they shouted so fervently, crucify him, crucify him? Before Jesus showed up, B.C., the children of Israel lived very normal lives that were ordered by the religious leaders and the law. They lived by a list of do's and don'ts, the Ten Commandments and, and the, the list called the law that was never ending. It was, it was always being added to and modified to reflect the feelings and the, the likes and the whims of the religious leaders of the day. And this was their normal life. And anybody who tried to live outside of that normal, well, let's just say they didn't live very long. The law was the guarantee of normality in the Jewish life. And they lived their lives strictly upholding this law. But then Jesus came along. And he turned the status quo completely on his head. Don't you love that about Jesus? From virtually day one of Jesus' ministry, Jesus went against the normal of the day. Remember that morning when Jesus was walking by the lake and he saw Peter, Andrew, James, and John with these depressed faces on him? they just spent a whole night fishing and they had drawn a blank. And here they are now sitting on the, on the edge of their boats and they're mending their nets. And this Jesus comes up to him and, 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 and he says to him, you know what? I want you to go out there again. I want you to throw out your nets again. Now, hey, listen, if you've ever been around church for before, or, or maybe you haven't, but the normal in the Sea of Galilee is that you do not fish during the day. You fish at nighttime. Because, you see, the, the days over there are so hot that when the heat rises during the day, that the fish sink. They go to the bottom where it's cooler. So the norm is to fish at nighttime when the fish come up from the cool of the bottom of the sea to the warmer waters on top. So if you want success, you fish at nighttime. So here they are. They've fished all night. They've caught absolutely nothing. And Jesus comes strolling down along the beach, in, in my mind. And he walks up to him and he says, and, and he sees it. Jesus sees it. He, he sees everything. He sees that they've spent a very normal night fishing and caught nothing. And Jesus walks up to him with, a, with his swagger. And he says, I want you to go out and throw your nets out again. And I mean, I, I think, I, I love Peter because Peter can't hold his feelings. I mean, he, he, he lets it out there. He's one of these people that will let you have it. And I can only imagine what Peter, the look that he must have thrown Jesus when Jesus said that. He must have went, are you for real? Is this your first time around here? Do you not know that that's not normal? That's not what we do? But, but you know, Luke chapter 5 tells us how, how Peter answered him and he said, but... But Simon answered Jesus and said, Master, we have worked hard all night and caught nothing. Now, I, I think this has been sanitized for us. I, I'd say there was a few more words said in that. But he said, nevertheless, he said, because you have asked us, we will let down the net. And I can only imagine how they went out there and how they, 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 they rolled their way out or whatever way they went out into the middle of the lake to let their nets out. And I am sure they were grumbling among themselves saying, you know, this is stupid. We fished all night and we've got nothing. I, 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 they're going to laugh at us. All the other boatmen, are, they're going to laugh at us now because they're going to say, look at them Egypts out there fishing during the day. But you know what? Jesus was no respecter of normal, was he? Nope. 
And you know, sometimes God instru- God's instructions to you and me, they don't make sense. They don't. Everything in us will tell us that it won't work. But we have to learn from Peter and obey God even when it doesn't make sense. It says in verse 6, it says, When they did so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats full that they began to sink. You know, when they did what Jesus instructed them to do, even though it wasn't normal, they brought in such a haul of fish that it began to rip their nets and their boats began to sink. Verse 8 tells that when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions, they were blown away at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said something to them that was going to completely change their normal lives. Jesus said, you can stay here, in effect. You can stay here and spend the rest of your lives fishing on this same sea and talk about that great haul of fish that you got one day. Or you can pull up your nets. You can pull your boats to shore and you can leave them. You can come and follow me into a new normal that will cost you everything, but will bring you an even greater reward. Verse 10 says what Jesus said to them, Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats to the shore, left everything, their normals, and they followed Jesus. You see, Jesus knows that in order for anything to grow, you have to be willing to let go of normal. John chapter 12, verse 24 says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will remain alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. You see, we are all wishing that life would get back to normal. But what if the old normals isn't where the growth is? Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus said to them, leave everything that's comfortable for you. Walk away from normal life. Take a chance. Follow me and you will do things that you never dreamed you could do. You know, Jesus made a great habit of challenging the norms of his day. Remember when Jesus came on the scene, the Jews, they lived by the strict letter, word of the law. But when you read scriptures, you will see over and over again where Jesus challenged the law as the law that was upheld by the religious leaders of the day. The law strictly forbade Jews touching leopards, lepers. But that didn't stop Jesus. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2, it says, And behold, a leper came and worshipped Jesus, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can clean me. Did you notice what the leper said there? He said, if you are willing. Why do you think that he asked Jesus if he was willing? You know why? Because he knew that the law forbade Jesus from touching lepers. And Jesus said in verse 3, Jesus put his, out his hands and touched him, saying, I am willing, 
be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy was cleaned. Jesus didn't let the law and what the religious leaders of the day and their interpretation of it stop him from doing good. Did you ever notice another thing about Jesus is that, that he seemed to go out of his way to heal people on the Sabbath? I, I found seven occasions where Jesus healed people on the Sabbath. There was a time that he healed a man with the unclean spirit, where he healed Peter's mother-in-law who had the fever, where he healed a man with the withered hand and he healed the lame man by the pool of Bethsaida, where he healed a crippled woman, where he healed a man with dropsy, where he healed a blind man. All of those healings were, were actually on the Sabbath. Now you're thinking to yourself, well, why couldn't he do it on a Tuesday? Do you know why? Because Jesus was teaching him a lesson that your normal has to change. you got to be willing to let go of normal to see a move of God in your time. Jesus made a point of healing people on the Sabbath. In effect, he was saying, the way you do things has to change. The new normal is here. And because Jesus was introducing this new normal, it disturbed people so much that they started to begin the plot to kill him and eventually succeeded. John 5, 16 tells us, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on their Sabbath. It was against their law. Do you know the Jews hated the Samaritans? They absolutely hated them. But they had a huge geographical problem. In order for them to get from Galilee to Judea, they had to go through Samaria. It was right there, right across in the middle, blocking between the two of them. And they refused to walk through Samaria. So what they would have to do is they, they had to take a diversion around Samaria when they were going from Galilee to Judea. And it was something like 40 or 50 miles extra on their journey. Now, that would kind of be a problem for me if I was going from A to B and someone didn't want to go through somewhere that we were going through on the shortest route to go from A to B and it was going to cost me 40 or 50 miles if I was driving a car. I'd give out about it, but you know what? If they're insistent about it, then I may not do it. But imagine how big of a deal that would be if you're on foot. That was a big deal. That showed how much they really hated the Samaritans. John 4 and verse 1, it says, talking about when Jesus and his followers were, were in Galilee and they were heading to Judea, it says in verse 1, it says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. You know, Jesus didn't do what he was told to do. Jesus did what he needed to do. Instead of walking around Samaria that day, which I'm sure every time when his disciples and himself were on the road from Galilee to Judea or vice versa, they always took that diversion. But this day, this one day, Jesus said, we're not going on that route. I need to go through Samaria. Because Jesus knew that he had a divine appointment that day with a woman who was an outcast in her village. And Jesus knew that I got to talk to her today. I got to teach her today. I got to reveal to her today that I am the true Messiah. 
And in doing so, she will reveal it to her family. She'll reveal it to her whole village. And that we today in 2020 will still be talking about that story. Jesus was more motivated by what he needed to do than what he was told to do. You see, I think we have way too many sacred cows in our lives. Way too many sacred cows in our churches. Way too many things that we've historically done for, for years, for decades, for centuries even, that we want to continue doing into this future, this 2020 and beyond future. I think it's far from getting back to normal that we need. I think we need to adapt to a new normal that God is introducing us to, that will see the greatest move of God in our lives and in our churches and our families that we've ever seen. The greatest move of God in this generation. And you know, the greatest example of this is Jesus, not respecting the normality of the humanity that he came into. And his greatest example of this is his disrespecting of the grave. Not only did Jesus raise many people from the grave, he himself rose from the dead and is alive today. You know, when they went to the tomb of Jesus, I'm not going to read you the whole story. We read it a couple of weeks back on Easter Sunday. But when his first followers, the women, went to the grave, they expected to see Jesus' body. You know why? Because it was normal. They knew that in those days that when someone died, they stayed dead. It was normal. But you know what? Jesus was no respecter of their normal. And he is no respecter of our normal today either. Finally, do you know that this church, and the church in general, its very existence is not normal. After the resurrection, Jesus commanded and commissioned his followers to tell everybody about this new normal and salvation that is found in trusting in Jesus as your Messiah, your Lord, and your Savior. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 14, it says there, Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they sat by the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. See, they didn't believe that someone could rise from the dead because it was normal for them to stay dead. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And that is our normal our normal commission from Jesus. And even though our normal world has changed all around us, our normal commission from Jesus hasn't changed. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you a part of that normal? Even though your normal life has been destroyed, have you given your life to Jesus and asked Him to be your Lord and Savior? If not, I want you to give, the, give you the opportunity right now. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. So if that's you today, and you have never called on the name of the Lord before to be your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer right after me now, and we believe that the Word of God says that you will be saved. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Jesus, save me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your Spirit so I can follow you. Thank you, God that you hear me, that you never leave me, that you're always with me. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. Jesus, save me. 
In his name we pray. Amen.